1: Welcome to Chamber Breakers presented by Verizon Business and Yahoo Finance. I'm Liana Brindard, head of Yahoo Finance UK.
0: And I'm Xavier White, CSR and Innovation Marketing Manager at Verizon Business. During this series, Liana and I will be inviting thought leaders to break the echo chambers surrounding key societal issues.
1: This season, we're focused on corporate social responsibility, education and the workforce at a time of global crisis.
0: We're delighted to welcome Anne Kems, Executive Vice-Chairman of MasterCard. He's going to talk about why and how businesses need to put DNI and CSR at the heart of their practices.
1: And why more women need to get into STEM. So Anne, take it away. Well, thank you very much,
2: Leanne and Xavier. It's wonderful to be on the programme today. Um, you know, in my night job, I actually coach, I chair the 30% Club globally. And I think everyone has realized, including the large investor community, that having a diverse management team and having a diverse board actually causes companies to outperform. And the argument for that is well run run in the sense that you know, we've seen the data for this over the last few years. And that's why the 30% Club is so successful around the world, because corporate leaders have bought into that concept. We have around 1200 members, um, chairmen and CEOs of some of the biggest companies in the world. Now, of course, the other thing that you need to think about is not just what your financial performance is, but how do your customers feel about you because we're not living in an age where we're just looking at share prices we're living in an age where everyone cares about stakeholders and there is a lot of consumer research out there that shows that customers are choosing to go with companies with purpose a MasterGard did a survey to say if you were buying the same product or services from the same, from different companies and one had a, a full diversity and inclusion strategy and um, thought about gender balance, who would you go with? 57% of consumers said they would go with that company with purpose. And a third of those consumers said that they really cared about gender bias and would actually buy on that basis companies that paid attention to gender so obviously it's very important for industries to think about who their customers are who they're serving and what messages that they're actually delivering out there Um, no more so by the way in my own industry where over 85 percent of the day-to-day buying decisions are actually made by women so that causes you to think. <laughs> the, the other thing to say is um, about education. Now, we will come out of the COVID crisis at a time that the world is switching to 5G and artificial intelligence. When we moved into the 3G and 4G era, we had no idea that it would create social networks. We just didn't think of them. Um, And so in some senses, we don't know what 5G will bring. We do know that it will be made, made easier to do many things in artificial intelligence, such as develop autonomous cars, because the level of data that you need is more easily transmitted through 5G. The other thing we know is that algorithms, unless they're checked, can be extremely biased. And this is a big problem going into the AI age, something that we've seen happening in the tech industry for a while. And I can give some very simple examples, such as, um, you know, Apple inventing a watch that measured everything except uh, a woman's monthly cycle, because that wasn't designed in at the beginning, Um, such as um search engines changing the name of, you know he, she's a doctor to he's a doctor or uh, he's a child uh, carer to she's a child carer and of course then there's the um information that we've received about the fact that um artificial intelligence um systems are identifying people with fairer skin much more easily than they are there are other shades of skin. So there are many different biases built into the systems, and we need to think about this as we come out of COVID and try and create a
1: more equal society for all of us. Thanks so much, Anne. Um, There's so much to unpack there, and actually one of the biggest things that comes out of what you've just said is the the absolute essential nature and tackling all these things. Now, obviously, we're in a much more digital environment when we come out of COVID. Like you said, it's going to be more AR, VR It's going to be 5G. It's going to be the onus on connectivity in the digital world. Um, And with that requires skills from workers, from people entering the workforce right now to have that. And even before the coronavirus pandemic, there was a gap, a skills gap do you see that growing in the immediate aftermath of coronavirus and how do we tackle it right now in plugging that gap for skills
2: well i can see it growing because what we've seen in coronavirus is women losing jobs at a higher rate than men and uh, we've even seen children who have had to have homeschooling as struggling because you know their households don't have the internet for example um, or they don't have the same level of computer equipment as other children, um, and so I think that coronavirus has sh- really shown up the cracks in society, and no more so, by the way, in places like America, where you know where the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement has you know also pointed this out in a very very real way um, to everyone around the world, and so um, so I think we have to take steps to address all of those things i know that in the uk for example mastercard's working with the round trees um, foundation to try and make sure that everyone has access to digital in their households it's um, a project called leave no one in the dark and i think things like this have to be addressed for, probably not by charities but actually by governments about what they you know what they provide their citizens
0: that's a really interesting point. And this this topic of, of marginalized communities and those that get left behind, those people often get left behind in those very programs you mentioned as well.
2: Yeah, well, I think that you have to design for that. You, you know, you have to say, um, okay, there's a certain level of um, society that I actually need to help and I need to invest in that. And, um, and who are they and where are they? And, um, you know, how are you gonna get access to them? Though actually most governments have data in which to be able to do this. Um, I think if you take it to an extreme case and say, well, what about a person living in Africa? How do they even get the power to even power up their computer or their mobile phone or anything else they wish to charge? That's where you actually start thinking about working with um, companies that develop solutions to that. So, for example, in MasterCard, we've been working with a company called MCOPA that actually provides these A3 panels, which are solar power panels. And um and as someone in Africa you can sort of pay as you go for these panels and start having, you know, some power actually in your house houses in the evening. So you can read, you can, can connect up devices and um lights and all sorts of things. Um you have to think
1: of holistic solutions in order to reach lots of people on the planet. I think that's fascinating. How do you see the ways in which training and bringing more, especially more uh, girls, women into STEM at a younger age, but embedding it more in a program where it's not just about donating to schools or doing some talks it's actually creating a long-term program to get those women trained into stem but also into big corporates like mastercard do you see that as a huge opportunity as well i absolutely absolutely see it as a huge opportunity but
2: i think you know you have to start thinking when the kids are quite young uh one of the things is that girls do tend to drop STEM subjects at school um, younger than boys and so one of the things we've done at MasterCard is launch a program called Girls for Tech where we bring girls in age 10, the youngest, um, and say Hey, it's really cool to work in the tech industry. You don't have to be a geek. You're not sitting in front of the computer all day. There are many different jobs you can do, but it's good to have some technical training in order to be getting into these industries. And we tell them what encryption is. And we tell them, you know, what, what you do when you're coding and all sorts of things. And we've actually rolled this out in many countries in the world to about a million girls. And now we've got a target of 5 million girls. So I think you have to start young. I think companies can get involved, schools can get involved, governments can get involved. And, um, and we all know that, um, it's, it's around about 17% of women graduate in, in STEM subjects or engineering in the West, um, which is just too low, really, especially when it comes to designing the future women's thoughts and women's voices need to be there.
0: I completely agree. And, and Verizon certainly taken a very similar approach around digital inclusion and, and the ways that you can increase that in different levels all across the world. But taking this to the next level, so we've looked at, we've looked at young kids, um, you mentioned graduation, but when it comes to entering the workplace, if it's not a problem that we fixed yet, and it's something that we're, we're fixing when people are young, what do you think we can do from a sort of recruitment and training issue today to make sure that we're not waiting until that generation come through i think everybody should be
2: going through some sort of formal training um all year really and um and we should be constantly you know teaching ourselves and also being taught how to use the latest technology and how to deal with it and uh one of the things that i think about acting now is that Many women still step out of the workforce to either follow their partners around the world or to um, have children. And yet they're very well qualified, in some cases, highly qualified people who want to step back into the workforce a few years later again, this is something that you could buddy them up, you could retrain them, give them all the latest techniques, and you know they might have another 25 years of a really successful career. So I think things like these return to work programs, and we have one, it's open to men and women all over the world. I think these are pretty good things as well. Um, the last thing I'd say is it's great having mentorship programs so that when people are learning something, they You know, they may ask their mentor, you know, is it better for me to learn A or B or what's your experience of this? Um, I know myself that, you know, that's what I used to do in banking. I would ask people, you know, should I should I go on credit courses now or should I go on payment courses or should I find out, you know, something about supply chains? And people would be there to give me lots of advice. But similarly, in this particular instance, it may well be that the reverse mentors, the younger people, can be talking to the more senior people in the company, saying, what are you using that old language for? Or why are you using this old system? How about getting this much more cool stuff to use at work? And I've actually heard people say that, you know, coming to work, not now company, because we're a tech company, but I've heard in other companies, you know, you're using one sort of very great system at home, and then you get in the office and you're using something, you know, really much more mundane.
0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Do you think COVID is actually going to pare back some of those formal trainings that are paid for by the company for current employees? Just because naturally we are still in a crisis going coming out into 2021, we're still gonna be navigating it and people will be thinking about their bottom line.
2: Well, of course people think about their bottom line and uh, you know, you would be nuts in a company if you weren't doing that. But one of the things I'd say about COVID is that it's taught us that we can all work remotely. You know, we have the technology. And, um, and perhaps people are using even more technology than they used to because of COVID. And I think that companies are now thinking of things that they held in person, doing them digitally, which of course means that instead of reaching those group of 30 people you used to train, you can reach, reach 3000 or 30,000 across the company if you're choosing to. So I think that actually, um, from in this sense that COVID's probably helped training because people realize that it doesn't all have to be in in person um but it can still be formal training and of course the whole universities are thinking their idea you know rethinking what they're doing along those lines as well i mean i was talking to one of the biggest universities the other day and saying so why you know why not open some of your amazing courses to people everywhere in the world why wouldn't you do that And the other thing from my own personal experience, I've been doing speakers for schools, again, where you sort of show up as a corporate executive, you're talking to the kids. Um, But I did a virtual session of that. And I think I had something like two and a half thousand kids listening to me. Mind you, the question they liked the most was, could we see your dog at the end? (laughs) So, you know, I produced the dog onto the screen. (laughs) That was very popular, that question. But still, the thing is that some of the kids on that call were in rural areas. Uh, You know, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet them. They were all able to ask me questions. And so if you think about it, that was probably better than the actually in-person things I, I did in the past.
0: I think that's, that's great. And actually as someone that's not that many years into their career, I remember being young, being on the receiving end of those trainings, thinking that person is often I was sort of the last generation where it would be a white straight man in a suit that would come in. But I remember looking at that thinking, well, that's not me. And as a, an openly gay kid, looking at it, feeling I couldn't relate. So hearing people asking questions about a dog and you producing a dog, Suddenly that's something that when you're younger, you can relate to that. And that's somebody sharing humanity. If somebody is in a position where they could mentor someone and they're, they're not a minority member, so perhaps mentoring hasn't meant as much to them in their life, why do you think it's important that they should mentor? If we could inspire even one listener to take up mentoring, that would be fantastic.
2: Well, you know, at the 30% club, we have a cross company mentoring scheme of like two and a half thousand people in every year in Britain. And, uh, people love that because there's one person in one company talking to an executive in another company. Um, but I, and we just launched Mission Include, which is actually mentoring across the whole spectrum, you know, every different minority, not just a gender mentoring. And I think that that's really important, by the way, because you mentioned Xavier that that you're gay, right? So I'm mentoring somebody who's gay. You know, you would be able to sort of share things with me and tell me things that perhaps I, as a mentor, you know, I'd have my eyes opened to how people are thinking and feeling. Just as you said, yeah, it was really, it would be really nice, you know, to put your dog out there. These things really matter to people and, um, and it, they make the work environment interesting. They make people feel included. They make people recognize some of the things that other people, you know, are experiencing that they would never experience themselves. I
1: hope that's convinced somebody <laughs> to think about it. I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've worked at some of these huge institutions, you're a change agent yourself, you've trailblazed, not just for your own career, but like for others around you and really making that impact for hundreds or 1000s of employees. So what would you give as a piece of advice, like one, to leaders out there who want to step up? and do more, but don't know where to start. And they're still on their own journey on being a more diverse, inclusive leader. Um, But then secondly, as well for um, women who do want to get into STEM, that may be whether they're at the start of their careers or actually 20 years into their careers, but really want to make a change, what would be your key advice for them too? Okay, so my advice to leaders is, look,
2: um, you know, don't be afraid of stepping up and getting into this space because actually your employees really want you to. And providing that you're authentic, I know I meet a lot of leaders who say to me, oh my goodness, I might say the wrong thing. A lot of people have said that to me around Black Lives Matter. Am I actually using the right terminology? You know, leaders worry about that. They worry about it, you know, in respect to, um, All sorts of different types of diversity. So, so not to feel afraid of that because I think people know that you're authentic and, um, you know, especially your own employees are not there to trip you up. They're there to help you. And I really would say if there's things that you're concerned about that you think that, you know, you can't get the language right, then actually, you know, get reverse mentored by one or two people in your own organization. They'll soon tell you um and uh and i know that leaders who've done this um have really benefited from it and it's not a question of whether you really even have a choice about it these days i mean if you don't start doing it your company is going to suffer because people won't come and work for you you'll not be an employer of choice and also you know your customers will start questioning what are your value systems in the company and then eventually your investors will start seeing the impact on the bottom line. And so all of these things go together in terms of uh, women in STEM. Absolutely. It's never too late. One of the great things that I think we've seen during COVID is that we can work remotely. We can learn remotely. We can learn to use new technology remotely. And I would even talk to women who are running their own businesses and say, um, look, you know e-commerce selling whatever you're doing online is a really important area and therefore becoming digitally savvy and taking advantage of that and actually getting the distribution way beyond what you could sell in your small shop to many other places on the planet it's got to be worth doing and in
1: fact it's a lifeline at this particular point in time Thank you so much, Anne. That's really fantastic having a chat with you today. And thank you so much for joining us. But before you go, please let whoever's watching or listening, um, where they can, um, get more information on some of the things that you talked about, the organization and where can they follow you?
2: Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, uh, the 30% club, um, has websites and also It's on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, Mastercard has websites all over the world as well.
1: Great. And for anyone who's watching or listening, you can find videos and articles about this series on the Yahoo Finance UK site. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to hear more.